It was a very snowy Tuesday evening. The snow was falling at blizzard pace. Both Sammy and Chaim stood by the window watching snowflake after snowflake piled up to the two feet of snow that was already on the ground. This was the blizzard of a lifetime. For the rest of their lives, Ellie, Chaim, and Sammy would talk about this incredible storm. It wasn't a question whether there will be school tomorrow. For sure there wasn't. It was a question, would there be school next week? Would the city be able to deal with the amount of snow that was expected? Almost three feet. Earlier that evening, Sammy and Chaim and Ellie had been outside. They'd built their snowmen and snow forts all over the front yard. They had had a snowball fight, of course, with the neighbors on the block and even with some of their fathers, including their own. Well, that wasn't exactly on purpose. It, it was just that after Mariv, when Sammy's father did come home, Sammy was trying to throw a snowball at Chaim, but sometimes, you know, sometimes people have trouble aiming, and Sammy, well, he had trouble aiming. Maybe it might have been on purpose, though. I'm not sure. And, and it happened to be that Sammy's snowball flew, and it just so happened to catch his father's hat, right square on and Sammy's father's hat went flying into the snow Baruch Hashem it was his special snow hat that he had so it didn't get ruined but Sammy's father turned to face Sammy what was that for he said in a stern tone when Sammy burst out laughing and Chaim too his father understood that they were trying to pick a fight with him so that they could have some fun with their father in the snow And so, joining the fun, Sammy's father had started to chase after Sammy to try to tackle him into the snow. Sammy ran, very difficult in the then one foot or so deep snow, when his father reached him and tackled him to the ground and stuffed some snow into his face in a kind, fatherly way. Chaim had a snowball about the size of a gigantic gigantic beach ball and he brought it over to where his father was and his father who was on the ground on top of Sammy having Sammy have some snow cake Chaim dropped this massive bomb on his father's head it was soft snow it wasn't hard it wasn't going to hurt him but it certainly got him all snowy the snow didn't just enter his father's head I mean it didn't just hit his father's head the snow actually, the snow actually dripped and found its way down the collar of his father's shirt and into his father's coat pockets. And as he stood up to face Chaim, Ellie hit him with a snowball right squarely in the mouth. His open mouth now was full of snow. Spitting out that snow, he said, Now I'm going to get you boys. And he bent down and he made a couple snowballs of his own and he started to throw them. And for the next 45 minutes, the four children, (laughs) I mean, the three children and one adult, had a really good time in the snow. And when they came in, you know, 
You know how, how sometimes mothers are after it snows. Well, Sammy's mother, she had hot chocolate waiting for them. Steaming hot chocolate. And she had put into the dryer a few minutes before they came in, blankets. And so now these freezing cold children who came in, changed their clothing, and got into their pajamas, sat in the living room, wrapped in warm blankets, drinking hot cocoa, as they recounted with great glee the events of the evening. But eventually it was time to go to bed. And Sammy's mother and father sent the kids upstairs, checked on them a few times, as parents often do. And by 12 o'clock, the house was quiet. Sammy's father had finished learning Dafyomi. His mother had finished baking the kakash cake for the upcoming kiddush that the show was making. And they both went upstairs to go to bed. And they were sleeping. And they were sleeping. And then Ellie had a nightmare. And he began to cry. Okay, that's not embarrassing. It's normal for a kid Ellie's age to cry when he has a nightmare. Sammy's father woke up. He usually woke up first. Sammy's mother woke up. And they went to Ellie. They tried to calm him down. It took a while. But as you probably know, Sammy's father and mother, when they checked on Ellie, they checked on all their children. And then they went back into their room and went back to bed. About five minutes later, Sammy got out of bed. Sammy put on his clothes. Sammy went downstairs. The footsteps made the stairs creak. Sammy's mother, who had just started to doze off, picked up her head and said to her husband, I think I heard something. He said, it's just the house settling. Don't worry. Let's go to sleep. It's almost 3 o'clock a.m. Sammy went to the front hall, got on his boots, took his coat. He went to the back door. He unlocked it, and he walked outside. At about 3.30, Ellie had another nightmare. It seemed that the snowball fight was kind of scary to him, or something, because his nightmare was him being attacked by a gigantic snowman with a long carrot nose. Oi, Ellie, don't worry about it. But Mommy, the carrot was so long. Every time the snowman tried to grab me, his long, orange, cold nose poked me. Don't worry, Ellie. Would you like a cookie? Ellie's father suggested. Maybe would you like a carrot? That way in your dream, you'll eat the carrot on the, on the snowman, and then you won't have to be scared. No, I, I don't want it. Okay. Well, let's go back to bed. And again, Sammy's mother went back to the bedroom where Sammy and Chaim shared, where Sammy and Chaim slept. And she checked on Chaim. She watched as his chest rose slightly and lowered. She listened to his even-paced breathing. And like mothers do, she tussled his hair 
What does it mean to tussle hair? I don't know. Something like play with it for a minute and give him a pat on the cheek and maybe a kiss. Because if Chaim were awake, he wouldn't let his mother kiss his cheek because that's how some kids are, you know. And then she turned to Sammy's bed and she went and she saw the blanket was all the way up on top of the pillow and she put her hand onto the blanket as if to rub Sammy's back and to whisper in his ear, I love you, like she liked to do at night when Sammy was sleeping. And she started to rub the blanket and she realized Sammy disintegrated. Huh? She pulled the blanket back and Sammy wasn't there. She looked for his clothing. They weren't there either. She ran back to her bedroom and her husband, who had started to go back to bed, she said, Dear husband, hubby, hello, help me out here. We're in a big situation. What's the matter? Sammy is missing. Okay, tell me, we'll talk about it in the morning. No, 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 did you hear what I said? No, yeah, you said something about Sammy. What's he missing? His test, his homage test, and whatever. No, 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 Sammy's missing. He's missing. He disappeared. Okay, I'm, I'm sure I'll come back eventually. No, no, it's very serious. Maybe something bad happened to him. Sammy's father sat up. What? I just went to check on the children. And Chaim was sleeping beautifully. But Sammy, he was not in his bed. What? As if he did not believe his wife, Sammy's father got out of bed. And he raced as fast as he could to Sammy's bedroom. And he lifted the blanket. Hmm, he said. Sammy is not in his bed. That's what I told you. I told you Sammy's not in his bed. Oh, maybe he's sleeping under the bed. You know Sammy, he sometimes sleeps under the bed, right? And so he lifted the mattress. And Sammy wasn't there either. Oh, maybe he's in the closet. Remember that other time? Remember he was he was scared, he got a bad dream, and maybe he had a bad dream also, so he went to the closet. Well, let's check out the closet. And now, not only was Tati up, not only was the mother up, but by now, Chaim woke up. What's going on? We're looking for Sammy. He's missing. Baruch Hashem, Chaim said. Baruch Hashem? You want Sammy to be missing? I, I, quickly recovering, he said, no, no, no. I, I was just saying Baruch Hashem like Muda'ani. It was my former Muda'ani that I woke up. <laughs> and Muda'ani lefanecha that Sam is missing. I mean, that, that the Sheikh is out to be this, whatever. We have to find him. It's immediately. Immediate. It's an emergency. And Tati and Mommy started to run around the house calling, Sammy! Sammy, you here? You there? Where are you? But they called and nobody answered. Just then, Chaim, who had not left his bedroom, scratched his nose, stretched, and he went to the window to open it because it was a little stuffy in the house because the heat was on pretty high. And his window overlooked the backyard. And he noticed in the backyard, it looked like there was an extra snowman. They didn't make any snowmen in the backyard. They only made snowmen in the front yard. And there in the backyard was it was what looked like a snowman. And it was, the snowman was moving. Tati! Chaim called loudly. It's an emergency. The snowman, he's moving. Chaim, Chaim, wake up. You're having a nightmare, Tati says as he ran up the steps. No, no, look out the window. And they did. And there, out the window, 
was a moving snowman. Tati said, a moving snowman, that's impossible. Just then, the mommy came upstairs. Sammy's mother looked out the window. And she said, that's no snowman. That's Sammy. What's he doing outside in two and a half feet of snow? All three of them raced downstairs. They opened the door to the backyard. And the snow was more like three feet. Oy vey! The mother said to the father, Go get Sammy, quickly. Sammy's father put on his big boots. He put on his heavy winter coat because it was 28 degrees outside. It was cold. And the wind was howling and blowing. And he came to where Sammy was very slowly walking back and forth and back and forth. And the spot that Sammy was walking was worn down. There was almost no snow in that spot. Behind Sammy was a tree. And hanging from the tree was Sammy's winter coat. Sammy in his shirt sleeves, with his teeth chattering, his lips blue, was walking back and forth, holding a big, long stick over his shoulder. Sammy, what in the world? And Sammy, with his teeth chattering, chattered out, I am practicing Sammy, you are not practicing anything at this point. Sammy, at this point, this is a matter of life and death. You come with me this instant. And Sammy said, I can't. I'm too cold to go anywhere but back and forth. And so Sammy's father grabbed him, picked him up, carried him over the three feet of snow, and brought him into the house and put him onto the living room couch. Meanwhile, Sammy's mother had once again gone and gotten some blankets Warmed them up as best as she could in the oven. I mean, in the oven. I didn't mean that. In the dryer. She warmed them up in the dryer. And she brought them and wrapped. They wrapped Sammy after taking off his boots. It took about 20 minutes for Sammy's teeth to stop sounding like they were biting people or things. It took about a half hour for Sammy's lips to turn a normal color. And for Sammy's skin to return to its normal pale skin color. What in the world were you doing out there, Sammy? Tati, mommy, Sammy said as tears came out of his eyes. I was trying to become a Gadol Hadar. Please, could I go back out? No, Tati said. That's crazy. It's crazy to become a Gadol Hadar. I thought you'd be proud that I want to become a Gadol Hadar. I am proud you want to become a Gadol Hadar. But it's crazy to go back outside. Why? Because it's cold. I know. And it's snowy. I know. And you weren't wearing your coat. I know. And that's what's going to make me a Gadol Hadar. What? <laughs> Sammy. 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 You don't make any sense. And Chaim said... What's new? He never does. Chaim, I, I don't know what you're doing out of bed. Please go back to bed. This is way too interesting, Ta. Please, I'll, I'll be quiet. Believe me, I promise. 
Explain yourself, Sammy. My Rebbe taught us in class today that the stipler Gon became a Gadol Adar because he was outside without his coat on. What? Well, almost like that. My Rebbe told the story in class today about the stipler Gon. Yeah, what about the stipler Gon? That, that he was in the Russian army. Okay. And when he was in the Russian army, he was given guard duty on Shabbos Kodesh. Okay. And he had to walk back and forth and back and forth and back and forth with his rifle on his shoulder. Okay. Maybe that's why I'm not going to become a Gatlador. Why? Because I don't have a rifle to carry on my shoulder. That's why I was carrying a stick. Okay, but, but tell me the story. Let me, let me hear the story. Well, he was walking back and forth and back and forth, and he didn't have his coat on. So he became a Gadladar. What? From now wearing his coat? Why didn't he have a coat on? Oh, let me explain. My Rebbe said that the way it worked in the Russian army is that the only people who had heavy coats were the people on guard duty. And when one guard finished his guard duty, the next guard would come and get the coat. Well, it was on Shabbos, and, and, and the first guard who had guard duty left a little bit early. And he took the coat, instead of waiting for the stipler to come and to um, get the coat, he first hung the coat on the tree, and then he left. And when the stipler got there, he was going to put on the coat, but it was attached to the tree. On Shabbos, you know, I'll take things off of a tree, because the Rabbanan said, you know, I'll do it, because it's like coats sir. It's it's exera. It's a decree that you might end up end up breaking branches off the tree, so he can't use the tree, and so you can't take the coat off the tree. So the stipler was there, and, and he came to the tree, and the coat was on the tree, and he couldn't take the coat off. But what do you mean? Chaim said, "It's bikuach nefesh. His life depended on it." Well, my rabbi said that 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 the stipler knew that, and that stipler said to himself, "It's bikuach nefesh. I should take it off the tree." And then the stipler said, "Well." It's because nefesh. If I'm, if I'm about to die, and I'm not about to die, I could be out here in the cold, in the in the in the very cold weather for for the next ten minutes without dying. So I'll, I'll get the coat in ten minutes, because in ten minutes, then I have to worry that I'm going to die. Okay. And when ten minutes were up, you, you know what the stipler said, Tati? No. The stipler said, "You know what? I'm not dead yet, and and, and I think that I can survive probably another ten minutes before I before I'm, I feel it's because nefesh. Let, let me try another ten minutes." Okay. And, and you know what the disciple said after the next 10 minutes? No. I, I think I could do another 10 minutes. After another 10 minutes, I for sure will put on the coat. Okay. And the disciple didn't take it off the tree because of that, because, because it was coat, sir. Okay. And, and after those 10 minutes, guess what happened? Well, what happened? He said, he said, I could probably go another 10 minutes. I, I'm okay. I could go another 10 minutes. I'm okay. Okay. And, and that went on the whole night. And the disciple spent the entire night not wearing the coat because he was going 10 minutes and 10 minutes and 10 minutes and 10 minutes. And that made him a Gadol You mean the fact that he was able to control himself and not put on the coat and violate the Shabbos de Rabbana and not make it a Bikuach Nefesh situation, that made him a Gadol Adar? Yeah. And now you're not letting me become a Gadol Adar? Sammy, it's not Shabbos today. I know, but I can't do it on Shabbos. Why not? Because I can't hang my coat on the tree on Shabbos. Sammy, I think that the way the stipler Gon became a Gadol Adar was something different. I think the stipler Gon listened to his Rebbe. I listened to my Rebbe and learned lots of Torah. I learned lots of Torah. 
and worked really, really hard. I worked really hard for about 50 years or 60 years learning in every spare minute and not wasting any time. And then he became a Gadladar. So it's true. You could become a Gadladar. You could become a Gadladar even if you lived in Florida. But I don't live in Florida. You could become a Gadladar if you lived in Australia, South Africa, Israel, the United States, wherever you live. It doesn't matter if there's snow, if there's no snow. To become a Gadladar, all you need, I mean, it's not all you need, but you need to do a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of Torah learning. But that's what you need. You don't need to wear no coat. Okay, Tati. Great. I'm so happy. Ah, now that you know that, we'll all go upstairs and go to bed. It's already 4 o'clock in the morning. I have to get up for work in about an hour and a half. So, let's go. Tati, I still need to go outside. Why do you need to go outside now? I don't understand. I explained to you. You'll become a Gadol Hadar even if you don't stand outside in the freezing cold in the snow. Yeah, but Tati, I just realized when I went outside, I had brought my slippers and I left my slippers outside. Sammy, why did you bring your slippers outside? Well, because I figured it's an easy way to walk through the snow because if you could slip through the snow, it's easy. So I brought my slippers so I could slip through the snow. Sammy, Chaim said, "Uh, let's just go to bed. And so Sammy... And his parents, and Chaim, and Elina, who joined the group, all went back upstairs, all went back to bed, and overslept the alarm the next morning, and had to race downstairs to remember that there was no school.